Hello and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today we're going to be talking about the appropriate use of prep time and different options you can use to help make sure that your game is where you need it to be. My name is Jerry, aka Frieden. And I'm Jared, aka DMF. And let's jump right into the topic. So today we are talking, uh, as we have on our noteboard, what is prep? Yes. Um, this is kind of brought up because we have had people talking and saying that they try to do their prep and then it comes to the game and what they've done is useless. What they have isn't helping them and it's hurting the session because they don't have anything together that they need. And instead they have a bunch of stuff that they've wasted their time working on. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to make sure that you're getting what you need for the game that you're going to be running now. Right. And I mean, I always joke about, you know, every single game session, my, prep is not enough right there's always more you could be doing so i think it's really important to take a look at all of our different options so you can kind of break it down into what's going to be most useful for you what's going to be most useful for this session and what's going to be the best use of your time yeah i mean that's really how you got to break it down like you know how much time do you have and how much time can you invest yeah now, let's actually start by just giving a, a minute or two and talking about the amount of time to dedicate to prep yeah, uh, there's a couple different rules of thumb. I mean, like you said before, you're always going to feel like you're not prepped enough. Unless you're one of those people that like live and breathe by the concept of improv, you're always going to feel under-prepped. Uh, the rule of thumb that I've kind of seen becoming the, the more popular thought uh, process is about one hour of prep for every one hour of game time. So if it's going to be a four-hour game, you should have at least four hours of prep for it. Now, you do have kind of an advantage there as a game master because... If you have a five-hour game on Saturday, you can spend an hour Monday through Friday prepping and being able to get enough time all together spread out to be ready for that game on yeah, a single day. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to sit down for five hours uh, in one shot. Yeah, absolutely. You I mean, you can spread it out, work it in wherever you can. You know, you can only get 15 minutes on Monday, but Tuesday you can get an hour and 45. You know, you got two hours right there. You just need to squeeze another three hours in in the next three days. And I think some of this stuff is also just it's not going to be hardcore sitting down and preparing. It's going to be uh, stuff that you do in the car or on your break at work or when you're lying in bed trying to fall asleep, you're going to have ideas and think of them and you'll be able to utilize those. Yeah, so. yeah. Not all prep is going to be actual, like, you know, pen to paper or, you know, finger keyboard to screen computer or whatever, you know, however you want to look at it. You know, some of it's going to just literally be just kind of like daydreaming and theorizing and kind of working through some ideas and, I, you know, and concepts of how you want to kind of run through the game. And so brainstorming and yeah. rejecting ideas as well. Yeah, I mean, you probably don't want to use every single idea that comes to your head. I mean, it not, or maybe not at least in the next session. You might have some ideas like that could be cool for another game or that's an interesting idea. Let me put that on the back burner. But you want to make sure that everything that you're going to be using that week isn't necessarily every random piece of junk that flew through your head that day. <laughs> well, speaking of random pieces of junk, let's start talking about the pieces of junk that all come together to make up the masterpiece of uh, session prep. Uh, first thing we have on the list, because we have a number of episodes already dedicated to it, and we're going to be doing more, is, of course, going to be world building. Yeah. Um, world building is a useful tool, but it's also kind of dangerous. World building is a, an endless black hole that you can fall into, and I see a lot of DMs misusing their game prep time. If you have a game this Saturday, you only ha you know you don't have anything ready for it yet. Say it's Tuesday, 
you got four days to get ready for this game, you shouldn't be worried about uh, building random island on the opposite side of the, you know on the opposite side of the continent from where the characters are currently, unless they're you know that they're going to be teleporting there or or somehow traveling there. If they're in you know town X, you should be focused on making sure that town X is flushed out. You know if they're going to be you know you think that there's a high chance of them tra- leaving the town and it's going to be by foot or on you know on horse or some sort you know but it will be like a contained kind of travel. You should be worrying about what's around that. You shouldn't be world building, you know, a different continent. You shouldn't be worrying about, you know, what berries grow in the forest 500 miles away or any, you know, any kind of those small details you can kind of get lost into. And yeah, you know, having a lot of detail for your world is fun and world building is fun. You know, for those of you who are into that, I'm, a, you know, I love world building myself, but you got to make sure that you're managing your time correctly. So you need to make sure that if you're prepping for a session, you are prepping for that session and not just getting lost in random world building. So you really want to keep it targeted yeah. uh, to items that are going to be impacting the game. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you can work, I think you can work on things that aren't necessarily going to be seen in that game as long as it may have an impact. Um, yeah. If your game takes place in country A, and they're at war with Country B. Even if your players never go into Country B, you need to know about what's going on there. What's their motivations? How is that yeah. operating? Because it's going to impact the game as it goes. Yeah, I mean, and that's technically your, your world building. But at the same time, even if you weren't building a custom world, you would kind of have that information available. Like, that's kind of really just still kind of session prep. I mean, it does go into the world building pile also. But that would be your session prep. If your uh, party's going to be going or assisting one nation at war with the other... You're going to want to know, like you said, that nation's motivations, who's in charge, like who's the general, who's the king, or what kind of government slash hierarchy system do they have in place. There's going to be a few handfuls of information that you want, but at the same token, if they're never going there, you don't have to worry about the geography. You don't have to worry about, you know, like what kind of political infighting there may be unless it's going to affect, you know, any of, you know, any of the situations that, you know, your characters are having a part of. There's going to be a lot of information there that, again, you could get lost in. Okay, well, the second cousin of the king's plotting against the king, but that's not going to come into effect until, like, 13 sessions from now. And, you know, the the king, the princess, the king's daughter, you know, has having an affair with the, the, the town jester. All irrelevant. <laughs> Fun, but not relevant for your next session. But then also, if you have extra time, you can set it up with the intent of foreshadowing it for stuff that's coming up. But that's really, I think, getting into some more advanced techniques. Yeah, and that's, again, you need to know that that's going to be important. Uh, I mean, it's easy to come up with an idea and say it's going to be important, but then you finally get there and realize it's it's not really as important as you thought it might have been. It doesn't didn't need to be foreshadowed. Foreshadowing is cool. It's a very cool story uh, aspect and storytelling aspect, but... Stick to the broad strokes. Yeah, make sure you have the broad strokes before you worry about the fine details. Um. So... We also have in for uh, preparation, we have mechanical review listed as an important one. Uh, For that, we wanted to talk a lot about looking over opponents that your players may face up against. Uh, If they're going to be facing a troll, then you'll want to take a look and make sure that you know how regeneration works. You want to review your monsters, make sure you know their abilities, know their effects. Do they have legendary actions? Do they have special resistances? Do they have special attacks? All of those things so that you can put them together so that you're not stopping your combats to look up and figure out, okay, how does this work? What does he do? How does this happen? Um, 
you're going to want to also take a look at the forward mechanics, the rules. Mm -hmm. If you're facing an enemy that's going to be doing a lot of grappling, you're going to want to know how grappling works. If you're going to be going underwater, you should be taking a look and making sure you know how the drowning rules take effect. You know, all sorts of things that could affect that, uh, as well as players and NPCs. Did they just level up and get new abilities? You don't need to memorize them. That's for the players to worry about. But you should be looking at the mechanics so that when the rogue says, I want to use uncanny dodge, you at least have a general idea of what it means. Yeah. Uh, and you can always ask your players, like, remind me how that works. Mm -hmm. But it should be, remind me how that works, not explain to me what that is. Yeah, I think I would, I say this, but again, not everyone's perfect. And this is an area where I could be better. I'm trying to make sure that I'm going back through and uh, being fully aware of what all, you know, all the PCs can do. Because I think that's really where you should be starting is knowing what everyone at the table can do. So that way you can make sure that you're planning encounters around what they can do and not planning encounters around what they can't do. So that's going to be like really one of the, the important first steps. MP obviously, you want to make sure you know everything your NPCs can do, everything the monsters can do. Like you said, if there's special rules that the monsters have, you got to make sure that you're familiar with those. And this is an important part of your prep, not just reading over it, but if you feel you need to make notes for yourself. If you want to make little like monster stat cards, you have like a little index card cheat sheet in front of you. You know, I use D20 Pro, so, like, I got to go through and make sure that I program all these monsters and, you know, any kind of combat system into the program itself, which is, in itself, an extra step that I'm adding to my prep time, so I need to make sure that I'm aware of that. Like, if I can be 100% ready to run the game from a role-playing, a storytelling aspect, but if I don't have everything programmed into that, uh, into D20 Pro, then I'm not ready for any of my counters. I might know how all the monsters work, but I'm not ready to run the game yet because I don't have the work put in. Right, and on a more physical side, like if you're running with miniatures, you probably want to pre-select your miniatures so you're not digging through a box when the game goes and ending the tension of that ambush you just declared. Yeah. Um, we actually do have another section that I think we can talk about right now, which is notes and accessories. Yeah. Because that's really what you were getting into is we're mm -hmm. talking about transcribing information from the monster manual, setting up your tokens in D20 Pro, um, but the, building your maps, whether yeah. physical maps to hand out to the players or digital maps to run on a virtual tabletop. Yep. Yet, he, a, yet another thing that I add to my prep time requirements is I make custom maps for my encounters. So I have to go through there and create my maps in Photoshop. So, And even, I mean, I'll admit I run games where I'm using the virtual tabletop where I don't make my own maps, which means I need to put time into finding a map. I'll have an idea for what I want for an encounter, but then I have to find if somebody else has done it because... Honestly, I don't have the artistic talent to actually make it myself. And sometimes I've had, uh, I've, I've pulled up a map and I said, yes, this is exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I pulled it and I'm like, well, I can tweak it and make it work. And at least once I pulled up a map and like, I didn't expect to do that with the map, but this will make the encounter much more exciting, much more interesting. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, inspiration can be found all over the place. So it's nice to run into those little uh, pleasant surprises there. Um, and also, like while we're on the subject, uh, I mentioned, you know, maps to be laid out for miniatures, but also handouts fall under this. Props are a great tool to engage your players, get them immersed into this setting, and make a game memorable. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of props, you know that. <laughs> we have an episode on props, which I suggest you check out. Yep. And, you know, props can take some time to, to yeah. work on. You know, it's That's... the difference between handing a computer printout to your players and handing something that looks like it's a rolled up parchment. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm because of Dark Hounds, I've been leaning more towards the digital kind of, uh, you know, accessories and, and handouts. So that way it's kind of equally accessible to viewers. But yeah, I mean, in the past, I've been the guy that writes out the, the diary, you know, stains it with coffee, puts it in the oven to bake it, burns the edges. You know, like here's your, your diary page, you know, looks authentic. And that's a whole nother level of prep right there that you've just added, like an unnecessary hours worth of work for this one letter that's going to take three minutes in the game. But if that's what you want to do, then you want to do that. But you have to, again, account for the time that's going to take because that's adding on to your play. It's an hour of prep that's going to occupy three minutes in the game that your party's going to be talking about five years later when they're like, hey, remember this? Yep. So um, there's a lot of different options there. That's another one that you can lose a lot of time in without really getting a lot done for your games. Yeah, you also it's, need to... it's arts and crafts is what you're doing, basically. Right. Yeah. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about reviewing the mechanics. I think it's also important to be reviewing the storyline. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on that's not going to be dictated by the rule books. There's nothing that's going to tell you how the story goes. Although you could like look into general conventions on TV tropes or get some ideas there. But in general, you need to know how your story is progressing, where it's going, and where it's already been. Yeah, something that I've started to do, and I have to finish working on this myself, but is to start setting a kind of like a timeline for your sessions, so to speak. Like you can have your kind of, because a lot of people will come up with like an overarching story idea, and they'll have kind of like little important plot points along that line. But you should kind of have like a goal for every session, like, okay. Instead of just like, well, I think they're going to go here and I kind of want to do that. But she's like, okay, this session, they're going to meet this NPC, which will then have the big reveal that will allow them to then choose, go to this place, this place, or this place. And then the next session, they're either going to go to this place, this place, or this place. Session after that, depending on where they went, then we'll have another piece of information that, like, you know, this one here, this one here, this one here. And you don't have to have step-by-step -step plans and you don't always have to know everything that's going to happen for sessions from now. But you should kind of have like, Next session, this is the goal that I want to accomplish. The session after, you know, and then once you have that session, then you can have, okay, now that we've gotten here, the next session I would like to achieve this goal. And it's still mutable. There's still players have effect on how they get there, how you reveal it. You should just kind of know what you want to try to accomplish in that one session. If it's only going to be a short three-hour session, they don't have to be big goals. If it's going to be a long eight, ten-hour session, you can have bigger goals or maybe even a couple little goals that you want to accomplish during that. And it's just kind of a nice way to make sure that you're moving along the line and getting through the story arc instead of getting sidetracked constantly. And again, that's still room for improv and the players still have effect on the world, but it's a nice thing to help keep you grounded. And also knowing that goal helps you know where to focus your prep. Also, I think you can take players' input on that. Mm -hmm. uh, you said, you know, set it up so the players can go either to one, two, or three. You may want to get input from your players before the end of a session okay, which way do you guys want to go next time Yeah. so that you know I need to get number two prepared because that's the one that they want to do. And another trick, which you've mentioned in another uh, episode, I don't recall which one, I think it was uh, the Planning Encounters uh, series, our, our little uh, three-part series there, where you mentioned you can have like one encounter concept prepped, and no matter where they go, you're just kind of reflavoring it. Right. So you might be, okay, well, they can either go to Temple A, Palace B, or Pyramid C, but when they get there, it's just a reflavored version of the same kind of idea. Like, 
They're going to meet the same NPCs. They might look different to flavor to the scene and the, you know, the environment better. But you're basically just going to be like, okay, this one's a temple, this one's a palace, this one's a pyramid, this one's in a desert, this one's in a, a rainforest, and this one's, you know, uh, in, the in, the art, you know, in the sewers or an Arctic or something like that. And then you, okay, I'll just, uh, same NPC, same uh, uh, story, you know, same fact dumps, you know, whatever you need to do, whatever the plan was, you're just reflavoring a little bit. You know, you can have the same information, same kind of combats. You know, and then you, then you're prepping one thing, and it doesn't matter where they go. They feel like they got to have, I we I he I bet he thought we were gonna go to the te- on the temple, but we went to the pyramid. Ha! Showed him, and you're like, oh no, you caught me off guard. <laughs> and, it, and it makes your world dynamic because you can then do, oh, they went to the temple, and then they're like, we still want to check out the pyramid, and now you have the option to throw something different at them, or maybe be, well, there was something going on, but you went somewhere else, and you so missed it. Yeah. you missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah, you went. You found the ritual that was happening here, but there's a simultaneous ritual happening there. You see the aftermath of the ritual. Now you got to do some investigative work and try to figure out what happened. Yeah, and now for preparing your story, I think it's also important to be looking back as well as looking forward. Um, a lot of my games, I keep a day log, mm-hmm. so each game day, I take a note of what might be going on. So if it's something like the players send a messenger who's will arrive in five days, then I can look back and I can say, okay, so well, the party got here five days later, the messenger arrived, think to myself and figure out what type of response happens, how long that's going to take. And then as the party's playing through and I'm just keeping track of the days and be like, oh, it's day 14. And the messenger arrives like, oh, I delivered your message. Here's the message back. And your players will go, oh, wow, we kind of forgot about that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it helps uh, build on the fact that the world is happening even when the players aren't driving it forward. Right, yeah, which, uh, uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, making sure that you show the the players that the world does not revolve around them, that the world is constantly spinning, whether they're there to witness it or not. So, And plus it also helps me keep track of just like, you know, okay, the players are planning and like, yes, we have those reinforcements coming in. I don't wind up going, wait, what reinforcements? Yeah. Or something like that. You know, they, if they're counting on it, it will be there. Right. And we actually recently just did an episode on, uh, like, uh, after game review. Yep. So this kind of falls into that. I don't know if we, I don't recall us actually covering, like, a daily note kind of thing, but this is a similar kind of concept where we kind of focused on, like, you know, talking to your players and kind of, like, retrospectively looking back on the game. But keeping a, a daily log or a session log would be a good thing to add to that after session uh, review. So your new sessions can kind of logically build off what, what has already come. Right. Uh, so what do we have next on the list? We were talking rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably kind of the, the silly part of DMing, um, but it's still kind of important, is that you can rehearse your delivery for key moments. Uh, or you can practice your voices, or you can figure out how you're going to to convey something to your players, just so that when you're doing it at the table, it's not the first time you're ever trying to do it. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be more natural for anyone that's into theater, or any kind of like, you know, like acting, so they're going to feel, they're not going to feel as silly, you know, Trying to talk out loud in their their NPC voice or practicing the big villain monologue that's coming up, 
But it's it's really a good idea for you, like you said, to to have these words have come out of your mouth and not just be floating around in your head a couple of times. Because what might flow naturally and sound good in your head is then going to become something where all of a sudden now your tongue's involved. <laughs> and now you have to actually make sure that you're projecting correctly and making the right voice or speaking with the right inflections. And, and calling NPCs by the right name. <laughs> right, yeah. And calling the players by the right name. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of different things that come into play. You know, the the acts, you might have a flawless Irish accent in your head, but then it comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, that was really dwarven Scottish. <laughs> that was uh, that was not what I wanted it to be. I didn't do a bad Irish Scottish accent. I did an excellent dwarven one. <laughs> For so, the elf. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's just one of those, you know, like what you do, what I do, like, Practice your NPC, you know, like, uh, you know, or at least talking as your NPCs, like while I'm driving around. Yeah, you, you had know. that uh, incident with a major villain in Wrath was the Leprechaun McHugh, and I remember you telling the story of driving back and forth to work, and the whole time you're yeah. trying to figure out your Irish accent. Yeah, working out my Irish accent that I hadn't used in a few years, to be honest. You know, like I used to practice it quite a bit back in the day for other various reasons, but... I was a little out of practice, so yeah, just driving around to and from work, working on my Irish accent, working on my Irish accent, you know. Just not even saying or working on specifically anything that the NPC would say, but just getting used to just dropping into an Irish accent whenever I needed to, okay? I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, and accent. Say whatever I need to say. Even maybe practice singing along to the radio with an accent. Like, that really pushes your accent boundaries when you're not just singing along with a song, but you're singing along with a song with the accent that you're working on. It's a whole different dynamic. Yeah, and I, when a lot of my games, or well, a couple of my games, I have a bit of a drive to get through. So while I'm driving there, I'll be doing my villain monologues, or I'll be giving, like, this is what the quest giver has to say. Um, descriptions are another great one to, yeah. like, do ahead of time, just so you can think about what details you're giving, how you're saying that. Um, even if your players don't always listen when you give a description, then... You can still uh, you can still practice it just so that it comes out good. Yeah, and another thing I was going to mention in some of the the prep earlier, like when we we're talking about taking notes and doing the accessories thing, is uh, which again we have an episode on like cutscenes and monologuing. Is I recommend at least for key moments, you know, like even if you don't not big into doing cutscenes or not big into doing monologuing, but if you do have a monologue prep, you know, I'm planning on a big monologue for my villain that's coming up or or whatever the situation is, is actually writing it down. And then, again, coming back to like what we're talking about with actually practicing it, read it out loud a couple times. Make sure that you can, you because, again, I'm I'm horrible about this. I'm good at writing it, and I like to write, you know, cut scenes and monologues down because I can be a fairly articulate, you know, writer. Even though I'm decent at improv, like, it's not always as articulate as I would like it to be when I'm in the moment and can kind of edit myself on the fly and writing stuff out. But then I go to read it, and there's every single time I'm like, oh, I should have read this a few times. Oh, I should have read this a few times. Now I'm I, like, I have this really cool cut scene, and I'm kind of tripping over my own words. Wait, what did I write here? Okay, now that I remember the right inflections, this makes sense. But now, when, oh, okay, yeah, okay. Whew. I actually, I have a background in theater and, and, and script writing and such. And they always say when you're writing scripts, go back and read them out loud. Because what looks good written down on paper doesn't always sound good coming out of your mouth. You may put for emphasis a do not in you when you write it down, but nobody says do not when they're talking. They say don't. Right. It's little things like that that when you read it, you'll be able to quickly tell that, oh, wow, this sounds really awkward. Mm -hmm. What would be a better phrasing for naturally saying it out loud? 
Yeah, and again, there's also a different skill level. I mean, I'll personally admit that, like, my writing skill level and my reading skill level, especially on the spot reading aloud skill level, are on two different <coughs> tiers. Like, my writing is not maybe, I'm, I'm not saying it's up here, but my writing is somewhere in here, and my reading aloud on the spot, haven't read it before skill is probably down here a little bit more. So I will trip over my own words, even if I wrote them. For those of you listening on the audio version, Jared's writing skills are a little bit higher than his reading skills. <laughs> yes. Uh, that didn't make sense for the, uh, the audio. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I'm, I'm using hand gestures for the, the podcast. In other news, Jared has taken quite well to the video casting version of Game Master Studio, Indeed. now available. Check it out. Um, so the last point that we kind of had, and this I feel is really important and really understated and you, you look at a lot of stuff about prep, you almost never see this. And, you know, I put it, I put it on our note board in big capital letters, avoid burnout. Yes. You can over prep. If you have a three hour session and you're prepping five hours a night for it, you're probably doing more than you need to. You're pushing yourself beyond your limits and it doesn't help your game may even wind up hurting it in the long yeah. run. It doesn't matter how much work you put into it. If you're exhausted when you're running it, because yeah. there's a difference between, all right, guys, you walk into the room and then there's a huge explosion. And then all of a sudden, boom, Clovis is there in your face. And then, okay, guys. So, um, you go through the door, uh, Clovis is there, uh, roll initiative, completely different game. <laughs> Well, and not only that, you may wind up missing pieces. Like, okay, you go in the door, and there's the villain, and you roll initiative. Okay, the cleric goes first, uh, then the fighter. Uh, now his minions get to go, and the players go, wait, what, wait, minions? Yeah. You said he, he, it was just him. You didn't say anything about, oh, yeah, there's like 50 guys there that were like worshiping him. Yeah. Like, whoa, we wouldn't have attacked if we'd known that. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, that's pretty bad, but I was going to say on yeah. the other side, the, the one where I actually thought you were going would be the whole, like, okay... So you went, you went, you went, you went, all right, top of the initiative. And then you go through three rounds and you realize, oh, frig, Clovis hasn't even friggin' attacked. Like, he's almost dead. I haven't even attacked with my big baddie yet. Oh, man. Yeah. And then the NPCs kill your dude and he never, he attacks once. Like, that's happened to me a couple times when I was exhausted. We've talked about it a couple times. The whole concept of like, oh, I forgot to attack with the bad guy. <laughs> or I forgot the bad guy's abilities. I, I spent... Two hours on Tuesday going over all the villains' abilities, and I forgot them by the time the game came around on yeah. Saturday. If you had notes, and if you were well rested, yeah, had you know eaten a proper breakfast, like it's is it, think of it like you're going in for like a big test. That was kind of the joke that I made in the pre-show. Yeah. You know, you want to make sure you get a good night's sleep. You know, have a proper you know properly balanced diet. You know, breakfast. You know, make sure that you bring along some caffeine, but don't over caffeinate. So you're not a super jittery crackhead guy. And just, you know, make sure that you're doing yourself a favor. Because also, you don't only like, you You got to take your health into consideration on top of everything else as well. I mean, just, you know, from the, the, the game aspect aside, running the game aside, like, it's not worth your health going in the in the, the bag just so you can have a good D&D yeah. &D game. And don't like, oh, I spent up all night working, I better call into work today. Yeah. Because I was prepping my game and I only got two hours of sleep. Right, yeah. You know. Quality of life is always an important factor that ma many people talk about when it comes to this stuff. So, um, and also, you know, kind of, kind of chill. You know, if your if your game doesn't turn out the way that you pictured it in your head when you're doing the prep, that's okay. Yeah, you know, if if your players don't want to interact a lot with this king, but now like they're really interested in what this bartender has going on, 
Well, guess what? Now you have an important bartender in your game. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. You can spend some time prepping on him while you're getting ready for the next week's game. Yeah. You can you just go with the flow, and if your prep doesn't get used, it's really easy to recycle it for a later session. Yeah, there's no such thing as wasted prep. Like, oh, man, I spent all this time working out these NPCs, and I didn't even get a chance to use them. Like, there's always the next session, and the session after that, and the session after that, and the session after that, and three different campaigns from now down the road. If you have it all fleshed out, then you have that information to use at any given time. Oh, I need a random NPC. This guy would be perfect. And if you have the play- have the NPCs show up three sessions later, and the players never met them when you first intended them to show up, your players don't know any different. Yeah, they have no idea. You know, there's so much going on that the players are still going to think, hey, this is still an awesome game. Those are still interesting characters, even if you wanted to introduce them a month and a half before they got into the game. Yeah. The worst thing you can ever do is tell your players, like, oh, well, I really I had this guy intended for this one moment, which would have been super awesome, because then they're going to go, that would have been way cool. But if you don't, if they don't, you don't tell them, they don't know. So they get to just enjoy the moment for what it is and have a blast. Yeah, and... Who knows? The, the the new moment could be just as cool, more cool. It, yeah, it could be better. And your players didn't miss the previous one, so they may think that he's just as cool anyway. Yeah. So, so in our kind of our final words, kind of final thoughts on this for preparation, you can do a lot and you can do too much. So you should really kind of work on what you need to do for prep. Keep it in a reasonable amount. Keep it focused and so that it's relevant to the session that you're expecting to have. And then that way, most of your sessions are going to be what you expect, which means you're going to be well-prepped and going to be able to run a good, fun session for your players. Yeah. If you don't need to do it, don't do it. So thank you for joining us for our show today. As always, if you have any comments on today's topics or any stories you'd like to share about how you used it in your game, feel free to get in touch with us. Also, if there's anything you'd like to hear us discuss, let us know. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Studio. Subscribe for exclusive access to early content and also a few other special surprises and tricks we've been putting up there. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We are GMS Studios, uh, available on Facebook for you to like, comment, and subscribe. And we have new episodes coming out every week with more information on running your game. We're posting them on Podbean at GameMasterStudio.Podbean.com through iTunes and available now on YouTube as well. Speaking of YouTube, check out our Darkhounds 360 VR campaign. Watch us play through, use the tips that you see here, and occasionally miss an opportunity. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support. We'll see you the next time that we get back into the studio.